Hey everybody, it's Adrian Vandenberg. Uh, you may know me from my 13 years with Whitesnake. I've got my new band, Vandenberg's Moon Kings, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. So I would say, turn it up! Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. And I'm back. Yeah, and actually we're back, uh, ready to uh, kick off 2018 as promised. Uh, it's February and uh, we got our butts back in the studio. We're uh, ready to bring you some more of uh, Focus on Metal. And of course, uh, lots of stuff already going on this year. It's uh, It's been a little bit of crazy stuff news-wise and uh, I think probably the... The thing that's been uh, all over the place over the, I don't know, last five days, eight days, whatever, is uh, this whole, uh, the whole Vinnie Vincent thing. It's, yeah. uh, Did you think he'd show? I, I didn't think he'd show. You I didn't. didn't? I didn't. I had, I had my doubts because uh, I think he's he's been a no-show for uh, a he's few He's just other. been a weird dude forever. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And I believe he was late. Yeah. At this one. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean it's just... You know, here you are in a, you know, a big major band and all you got to, well, at least the way the story goes is just sign the contract and he wouldn't sign the contract. I mean, that's just weird dude. Yeah. I, I was amazed the guy actually got him. Yeah. I think he just, I think Vinny, when he actually got up on stage and started talking, he just said that the guy just kept Adam and Adam yeah. and Adam and Addy's lawyer and Addy's people. And eventually he said, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. But. Eddie Trunk got the first interview. Yep, yeah, that was all over the place, yeah. And um, uh, I wasn't really a fan of him getting that, but I understand why he got it. Yeah. Um, And he was late for that. Yeah. And I was laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I was laughing. And um, eventually he showed up, and a lot of people straight away, pictures started coming, and they were like, Oh my God! Yeah, like, what is he? Is he is he is he Vinny or Vicky or yeah, right. or what? And I do, I I don't care. I thought it was great that uh, that he actually did come back. Yeah, and um, by all accounts, he was he was very good. Yeah, and he did the meet and greets, and you know he, he you know people. You know, it's it was all out. It was all over the internet. Like the minute he walked in, everybody's fucking cell phone. Yeah, was up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like a it was like a Twitter frenzy. Uh, I mean, it's still continuing. Like even now, it's still continuing. It's like holy crap. Yeah, I think a lot of people just wanted to hear his side. Yeah, because when it comes to Kiss, it's all you've heard is uh, Paul and Gene's side, and yeah. You know, Paul doesn't really want to talk about him anymore, and I think Gene is a bit tired of hearing about him as well. And for years, people have wanted to know Vinny's side of it. Yeah, and um, I think he was pretty gracious from what I, from what I saw. Yeah, about his time with Kiss, I don't think he really uh, put the knife in. The only the only person he put the knife in really was uh, Mark Slaughter, <laughs> and um, he said that Mark couldn't sing and he's no talent, and I thought that was a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Um, a bit petty, a bit a hint of jealousy in that. I'd, I'd say, because uh, 
It was his band. Like it's the Vinny fucking Vincent invasion, right? Not Mark Slaughter invasion. Correct. So yeah, he was calling all the shots in the band. Yeah, and um, but you listen to some of the stuff that was on uh, what is it? All systems go. Yeah, and you listen to some of that stuff, and you can tell that that uh, Dana and, and Mark had a lot to do with a lot of those songs because then you listen to some of the stuff in Slaughter, and there's some similarities there with some of it. You know, I agree, but. You listen to the vocalist Robert Fleischman on the first record. Mm-hmm. Like they're look, they're going for that sort of a singer. Sure. And then they get Mark Slaughter in, and Vinny says that he can't sing. And I'm like, well, if he can't sing, what about the guy you had on the first record? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And I mean, pretty much anyone would be like, "What are you talking about?" Even the that last solo album that Mark put out, his voice is still fantastic. Halfway there, it's very yeah. good. He had some uh, years where he was, uh, he had his ups and downs vocally. Like there's. There's a, I remember hearing years ago, and there's a version he did a fly with the angels, and it was dreadful. Mm. Like it was really, really bad. But you know, yeah, but something like that with, I mean, the, as, as high as he sang yeah, that, yeah. it you get older, it is tough to carry that. You oh, know, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> but I think, I think with, Vin, with when Vinny when he's talking about Mark, there, there, I think there is a like he's a hint of jealousy there because. What did the first Slaughter album sell? A couple of million? Yeah. Had, yeah. They had like, what was it, Flight to the Angels and Up All Night. They were all uh, big, big hits. Yeah. They, I mean, the thing though, too, to remember about that is, is they were big hits, but they, you know, what is it? All Systems Go was what, 88? Is that right? Yeah, about 87, 88. And, and there really wasn't a lot of, of MTV support at that point for that album either. Slaughter had like shitloads of MTV support. Now, so it's easier. I mean, they're they, on the same label, weren't they, Chrysalis? Um, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, so the label got behind Slaughter. Yeah, they can get behind Vinnie Vincent. Yeah, yeah, because uh, didn't didn't Vinnie Vincent Invasion support Iron Maiden on uh, on that? Album? I don't remember. Yeah, I know. I know they were out with Iron Maiden on mm. for on one of the one of the albums. I'm yeah. not sure which one it was, but w- when you look at the the stick it to you. They produced it. They wrote all the music on it. Yeah. So you can't say that the guy has no talent. Yeah. Like the guy, you know, the guy's <laughs> written all the songs and, and yeah. produced the records. Yeah. Like he, he's obviously a talented guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he could have just said it didn't work out with him and left it there. <laughs> it was just, I found it just a little bit petty. Yeah. You know, but then again, if he's got 20 years of, uh, you know, stories to get out there and maybe just, Hasn't had a, a dig at him for so long. This is his opportunity to uh, to have a go at somebody, and he chose Mark to do it to. Yeah. Now, I I really hadn't caught up, but do you know whether or not uh, uh, Chris or Aaron or anybody else? Oh, they all went. Geek had, uh, they all went. Yeah. Um, I actually uh, I actually messaged uh, Chris. Yeah. Because I message Chris every now and again, and I told him that. I thought that they deserved the interview. Yeah. Now he he was very gracious and said, "He, he thanks very much. I understand. You know, Eddie is getting it because he's the biggest guy on it." Right. And I said, I messaged him back saying, "I don't care." I said, "That doesn't mean you don't deserve it." I said, "You've done more for him, yeah, in, on your show, than Eddie Trunk has done on his show." And yeah. Well, the other part is just the the fact that, and the reason I you know I bring up uh, you know especially Chris is that. You know, they did so many interviews over the years with other people, you know, involved in the Vinny story and have come at it at all different kinds of angles. And they're kind of uniquely like 
positioned to talk to him because there's there's just so much that they've heard from you know from other people from Robert Fleischman from you know I mean Hirsch Gardner all these people that were all part of the Vincent story or you know they've talked to pretty much everybody you know except for like you know Vinny and his caterer kind of they thing. would have had a lot more in-depth questions yeah that's what that's that what I caught mean Vinny yeah. off guard yeah um Eddie Trunk is just gonna go um hi Vinny it's great to see you uh Gene and Paul hate me and then it's me 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 yeah and then back to lick it up and then and yeah that well of course I mean Eddie's got you know you're right he's probably the biggest name out there right but he also really despite what anything else anyone thinks I mean he really does love the music no he loves Kiss you know I'm not going to take that away from him but even I mean he loves you know he loves hard rock and metal and Mm -hmm. I think I think that even though he probably would have liked to maybe have asked some more deeper questions he probably wasn't going to just because he feels like he needs to to serve like the greater the greater good of of hard rock and metal and and that's I don't know that's that's how I kind of think of it anyways. I know I just I hope Aaron and and uh, Chris get the interview. Yeah, because that'd yeah. be one show I think that would be a must listen. Like they yeah. do great shows anyway, but that would definitely be one that they oh, deserve. Yeah. yeah, and um, can you imagine being a Kiss fan like the last month? You have Gene Simmons going around handing out the vault. <laughs> you're paying a couple of grand. No, he's not handing it out. <laughs> well, you're paying a, you're paying a couple of grand. Yeah, and then you got all the same people. A lot of the same people piss off to Atlanta. Yeah, Vinnie Vincent turns up. Uh, like you're a ki- you're you're a Kiss fan. It's like wow, holy shit! I'm 14 years old. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, but you know, the people that went, Vinnie turned up. Apparently, very gracious. You know, I think it was like a three day. Expo. Yeah. Robert turned up. Robert got up and sang with him. Uh-huh. And um, there, there's already talk about the two of them doing something. You know, Frontiers are probably, yeah. <laughs> Frontiers, <laughs> but, yeah. But the other, the other thing I was saying is that, uh, you know, Simon Wright and Craig Goldie, are, they're trying to line up all these musicians. Yeah. To, and Del, my man Del Vecchio will be trying to get all these songs <laughs> together. And I, I, I'm just like, come on. They only just had the bloody Expo. It's a, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Know? But it's just funny the way, you know, the internet just exploded on on, on all this Vinny stuff. And yeah. And it, lot, it still is. It's a lot still... of it was nasty, though. It was how yeah. he looked. Like, he, what? Okay. You know, he looked the way he looked, but you have to take into account as well. He's in his 60s. Yeah. You know, nobody's really seen him for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of that negative talk will make him go. Make him think to himself, "Ah, fuck this! I'm I'm out of here again." Yeah, you know, you should be happy he's back. Yeah, and oh. um, he's a talented guy. You know, he's a good songwriter. Yeah, well, there's still there's been a lot of stuff in the backstory though too about you know whether certain things were really his, and you know that was I know Chris and Aaron did a lot on that, talking to various people and stuff too, and it's it's interesting. You know, I don't know if you'll ever really get you know all the truth, but it's, you know, like I said at the beginning when we were talking, I, I honestly, I didn't expect him to, to show up. Mm. Would you be interested to hear him do new music? Not really. You don't think it'd be, it wouldn't really be a big deal, would it? It would be for the Kiss fans, but other than that, I don't think anyone would really, you know, wow, it's Vinnie Vincent back yeah. in new music. I think there might be a, a, some form of curiosity, but it's not going to be like, holy shit, yeah, I guess, you know, press. it's, it's, this is kind of interesting because, 
I mean, he's a, you know, he's a talented guitar player, more talent than I am on, on the instrument. Um, but I, I have a feeling that if he was to come and write new music, it, it would be very similar to all of his old music. All that wankery guitar stuff. As opposed to, although, you know, again, it wasn't like soup to nuts awesome, but, you know, when, when Jakey e. Lee came back with Red Dragon Cartel, he wasn't doing like everything that he did with Ozzy type of stuff. And he wasn't doing everything he did with Badlands kind of stuff. He was, he actually had some more up to date stuff. Like this guy was like still into music and still growing and all that. And, and I, I just, I don't, I mean, maybe I'll be totally wrong, but I, I just don't think that Vinny would be that. I'd be disappointed now if he came back and tried to do an album like the debut, the Vinny Vinny yeah. Invasion album. That'd be like, really? After 30 years, you come back with the fucking same record. Yeah, that's that's what I would, I, you know, there's, there's definitely bands that you count on doing that, right? I mean, you'd be surprised if ACDC went out of their mold. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, but they kept releasing. You know albums. what I mean? <laughs> but but a lot of people you expect to, if if they're gone for a while, stuff is to kind of grow. I mean, music changes, things, you know, continue on. And, and uh, I just, I, I just, I just think is if you put something out new, it's either going to be like drastically what the fuck or the same. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And 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 like you said, kind of a lot of wanking. <laughs> <laughs> well, he shouldn't do that now. It's been too fucking long to go back to that sort of sound. Yeah, it's just redundant. It's it's going to appeal to a very very small audience. Yeah, and um, I'm not saying that if he tried something different, it'd be a, a much bigger audience. But I think it'd probably be more appreciated if he did that. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of fans would go like, "Come on, really, <laughs> debut album again?" Yeah. That's, I remember when uh, what was the song came out of the day was it Boys Are Gonna Rock or something yeah. like that and the fucking guitar solo came on and I'm like ah, what the fuck yeah of course, I mean it's it's tough with that because if you know here you are you're Vinnie Vincent you know formerly guitarist of Kiss and you know all this um, even though their his you know big single solo with Kiss was you know simply a series of arpeggios and lick it up mm. but but you know, there's the expectation that you 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 have to go out there and be like the player. Um, so I, I'm sure that he had a lot of label push too. Of of you know, that's what you got to do. It's, it's what we're expecting you to do is is do that. I'm sure that some of it's ego stroke too. Of I'm going to go out and, and wank and stuff. But uh, you know, I think there was probably some good songwriting in there that if things were toned a little bit more. Might have been a little a little bit more balanced and held up. Yeah. I wonder, will he go down the, let's get a few singers in, or is he going to go for the one singer? That's if, even if he does a new album at all. Yeah. Um, some of these guitar players, they want, they don't really want a band anymore. It's like, you know, I want this guy to sing, and then they'll get someone else in to sing another song, depending on how it sounds. Uh-huh. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But it's good to have him back, and uh, you know, maybe he'll fuck off again now, and you won't <laughs> see him for a couple of years, but we'll see, you know. It was just a big deal for the Kiss fans, though. Yeah, I think, you know, I think seeing him back is going to come to, you know, probably his balance of, like, seeing all the bullshit and then balancing that bullshit with, you know, probably the payday. Yeah, I don't think, um, I don't think he's going to be booked on the Kiss cruise anytime soon, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's burned his bridges there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, when you listen to, um, 
I remember listening a while back at Chris Jericho and Paul Stanley on. They were doing as it uh, was a twenty five year revenge anniversary. Uh huh. And uh, the minute he brought up Vinny's name, Chris yeah. Jericho, Paul Stanley said, "Move on, something else. Don't want to talk about him. Move on." <laughs> Subject closed. Yeah. And he he asked him something else about Vinny a minute or two later, and he said, "Don't want to talk about him. Let's move on." Yeah. So that that's done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well. Speaking of another great guitar player, our guest this week, uh, Adrian Vandenberg. Yeah, got him. Didn't take yeah. us long this time. So uh, I think we'll, uh, we're going to roll a track of the week, and then we'll come back, talk about that, and roll, uh, roll a talk with Adrian. All right, this week's track of the week is to get you all prepped and psyched for an upcoming guest here on Focus on Metal. And I am talking about Mike LaPond, who once again has released a brand new Mike LaPond's Silent Assassins release. It's called Pawn and Prophecy. And uh, that track is actually available up on, on YouTube for you guys to sample and enjoy. But I got to tell you, Mike is definitely having his prog influences on display as he uh, does a 22-minute title track. That's right, 22 minutes on that one. Almost like a classic album there where you've got uh, eight songs on side one and then a 22-minute song on side two. But uh, we are not going to play the title track this week as track of the week, but I do have another great one for you off of Pawn and Prophecy. That would be track number six. It's called Hordes of Fire. So that's going to be our track of the week this week off the brand new one from Mike LaPon, Silent Assassins. As I said, stay tuned in the next few weeks as we have Mike on the show talking all about this release. So here you go off of the brand new one from Mike LaPon, Silent Assassins, Pawn and Prophecy. It's the track Hordes of Fire.
right, there you go. Track of the week. And uh, as Richie said, uh, finally got Adrian again. And uh, he didn't have to interrupt his dinner party to talk to him this time either. Yeah, he was at home too. Yeah. But remember last time we talked to him, he was like, he stepped away from his uh, his dinner party that night to, t- to talk to us. Yeah, but the thing that happened the last time was uh, someone else answered the phone. Yeah. And I said, can I speak to Adrian? Adrian Vandenberg. And I was told there's nobody there called yeah. Adrian Vandenberg. And I'm like, ah, fuck. And uh, we just waited a while. I think we did some show stuff. And then I was on the way out the door. I said, fuck it, let's call him again. And yeah. he answered the phone and was like, what did you call a while ago? And I'm like, uh, yes, I did. <laughs> and someone said, you weren't there and or didn't know who you were. And he was all apologetic. But um, yeah, we got Adrian on this time. He's got the uh, the Moon Kings album, yeah. the second album out. Yeah. And um, it's, again, it's really good. It's very like the first album. Yeah, he's got, you know what's interesting is that he's got a pretty loyal fan base. I mean, as soon as you there. commented on uh, on Facebook about talking to him, and it popped over to Twitter, uh, just a lot of responses, and you know, a lot of like, oh, you know, when's it going to run, and and all that. So, uh, yeah, just a just kind of a uh, I don't know, almost fanatical fan base. Yeah, he's it's got cool. um, he's got a lot of fans in Europe. Yeah, um, he's got a weird career. I in my this is my opinion. A lot of people, especially when it comes to Whitesnake, a um, couple of great albums of Vandenberg. Yeah. And then he joins Whitesnake after the album is done. Yeah. And then he goes out on tour. And other than Here I Go Again, he did the solo on that. He's playing songs that other guitar players have played. Yeah. And then, of course, he's, the, he's, he's one of the guitar players. He's the face of the band. So a lot of people might think, oh, he actually played on the album, which right. he didn't. So he didn't write it. And then he writes Slip of the Tongue. Doesn't play on any of it because he had a hand injury. Yeah. And then Steve Vai comes in, changes, in my opinion, and I think Adrian kind of hints at it as well. Yeah. He radically changes a lot of the way, a lot of the songs on the album, the way they sound. Yeah. Yeah. And then Coverdale goes off then and does Coverdale Page and disbands Whitesnake. So yeah. he hasn't really, he's written songs for one record, never played on it. Yeah. And then he comes back in 96 or 97 after doing the Greatest Hits tour, writes Restless Heart, doesn't get released in the US. Yeah. And then David goes off then and does his solo album. And he spent all these years in Whitesnake, done all these tours. Yeah. Wrote one album, didn't play on it, and then wrote an album 10 years after the 87 record, which sold a gazillion. Yeah. And the US market wouldn't even pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, he's probably one of the most recognizable people in Whitesnake outside of Coverdale. Uh, yeah, I would agree. You know, he, uh, like, like you said, he's, he's like a face of the band. He's like, he's, 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 t- he's like six, four, six, five. He's a big guy. Yeah. You? you saw him play, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, on what? The 87? Um, I saw him. I saw Whitesnake a couple times. I did see the 87 tour. I also saw the tour with Steve Vai. I want to say that was in Providence. I saw that. Okay. I think that was one I had to travel a bit for. Okay. But yeah, I mean that's he's just been pretty. He's yeah, he's pretty recognizable. Yeah, I think you know David obviously has a lot of uh, a lot of time for him because they're still good friends. Yeah, David of course song on uh, on the debut he did read they redid sailing ships. Yeah, from slip of the tongue, and um, Adrian has got up on stage with White Snake. Yeah, whenever they're in the area, so there's obviously still that bond there. Yeah, and. Um, you know, I, I, I'm delighted Doug got the gig, but yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed that Adrian didn't come back because obviously they had great chemistry together. Yeah, that's true. But I think, 
I mean, Doug was a perfect fit. I mean, he he brought back, I think, some good elements of of pre eighty seven White Snake and yeah. combined it with some eighty seven post eighty seven White Snake. Yeah, he did and did a nice mix. And I think was able to. I don't think without Doug Aldrich, I don't think that White Snake would be an entity anymore right now. I would agree because um, he wrote all the songs with David. Yeah, he got the history. Yeah, be interested to see now what White Snake come out with this year because uh, they've they've just released the Purple Tour, uh, the live DVD and and album. Yeah, and they've a new record coming out with Joel Hoekstra and yep. Red Beach. Yeah. I'm really curious to hear what it sounds like because when we had Doug on, he said Reb could play anything, but when it came to the early sounding Whitesnake stuff, yeah. he didn't get it. Right. So I'm curious where they're going to go with the new one. Like, is Joel the guy who's going to pick up that mantle? He's of the got some of that sound? background to him. So that's where I'm interested to see is is where Joel takes it. And and then uh, I think I got tickets to see them. Oh, Torn, a foreigner? Foreigner, yeah. I you, do have tickets oh, to see Oh, you're going? Him. Yeah. Okay. I had to think about it for a minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> Was it Jason Bonham? Yeah, we'll probably end up missing him again. <laughs> <laughs> totally missed him last time. Yeah, that's one of the albums now I'm looking forward to hearing this year, because Coverdale is, what, 60? He must be mid-60s at yeah. this stage. And he, he doesn't, he can't scream the way he used to. And um, a lot of the stuff... 87 stuff is screaming. True, true. And, uh, like, if he goes back to the earlier bluesier sounding stuff, yeah. he's going to nail that. Yeah. So um, I just hope the new album isn't Pro Tool to death. I hope it's really good. I think it will be really good. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think he'll Pro Tool it. And, and you're right. I mean, the older stuff, I mean, even when we listen to stuff that he did with Purple, it was really like uh, the Glenn that did a lot of the kind of wailing high parts, mm. you know, mm. and, and, and David did more of the lower parts. Yeah, I think the Purple album will probably, I think it might make him go down that path. Yeah. Anyway, I think he got re- reinvigorated himself again doing mm. that. And, you know, that's one album I definitely want to hear. But the, the Moon Kings album, I'm delighted Adrian is still doing music. Yeah. Because um, he's in his 60s as well now. And the band he has is, is like half his age. The singer is incredible. Yeah, but and I he, think, you know, what's what's interesting is it is, uh, you know, with my last job, there was, it was a site that we had in, in, in the Netherlands. And so I got to talk to a lot of those folks all the time. And there's just a deep musical culture there. And just like, you know, families playing the music together and, you know, friends playing music together. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's pretty remarkable. So I think that's part of what probably drives him along too, is that it's like just embedded there to do that kind of stuff. So it, I, it, I can see him doing this for a while. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they actually get over here to tour it. Yeah, I don't think they will. Yeah, it's a pity. I think he he does a lot of gigs in Europe. Yeah. Um, he'd probably end up doing the festival circuit. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think the promoters are interested in bringing over the newer bands right. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They want the package bands. They want the right. MTV 80s bands. Yep. And if Adrian came over here... They'd probably say, um, "Hang on a second. What, what, what songs are you playing? Right? You know, why are you not playing? Is this love? Are you not playing <laughs> still at the night? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, did a great interview with him, and uh, you know, it was pretty cool. Some good chemistry there. So, uh, what do you say we uh, do a little Moon Kings and uh, roll your chat with Adrian Vandenberg? Sure.
Is that Adrian Vandenberg? Yes, it's him. Hi, Adrian. It's Richie from Focus on Metal. Sorry I'm a little bit late. Yeah, that's all right. I, I'm out, man. It, it's the worst weather and um, you can imagine right now, so I haven't even been out today. I'm in. Um, I'm just outside of Boston. It's um, it's around zero Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, over here we, we've got serious storms. Every, every more than 100 flights have been cancelled in Amsterdam and... That people are, you know, being warned to to get to not go on the on the road if you don't necessarily need to, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so I haven't been outside anyway, so no problem. And it's here a little late. Okay. Excellent. You're outside, just outside of Boston. I'm just outside of Boston. Yeah, about thirty miles north of it. Ah, nice. Yeah, I, I love Boston actually. But it's always been one of my favorite cities whenever I was in the states. Yeah, and I'm. A, you can probably tell I'm originally. I'm from Ireland. Yeah, I can. I can tell. You you haven't lost the accent. No, I, I'm not going to either. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. No, anything is better than than, than most American accents. Yeah, yeah. I recognize it easily because, of course, you know, as you probably know, in um, uh, the first couple of years in White Snake, uh, Vivian Campbell was in the band also. Yeah. And and he's an Irishman, of course. So, um, like, I recognize the accent ever, uh, anywhere. Yeah, I believe, of course. I actually saw Vivian just before Christmas. He was with um, last, oh, cool. last in line, and I brought my eight. Oh, yeah. I brought my eight-year-old son to see him. It was one of his first concerts, and um, oh, cool. Andrew Freeman, the singer, they were doing a meet and yeah. greet, and he he looked at my son and he said, "Now," and he pointed at me and he said, "You see that guy down there?" And he pointed at Vivian. He sounds like your dad. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah, so so you just want to get into the interview, Adrian? We'll, we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, I always ask the guitar players that I have on, um, how many guitars do you think you have in your house? Um, let's see. There are probably, I would think, about 25 or something. Okay. Do you, do you have a favorite? Oh, uh, yeah. I have, yeah, my favorite actually is um, the Les Paul that I play 99.9% of the time. That is... Um, the guitar that I bought in 1980, so it's been with me like forever. You know, it's been around the world 20, 30 times or something. And um, I've been basically, it's it's been uh, they call it relics these days. You know, when a guitar looks really old, you know, and stuff. Well, uh, they do it artificially these days with brand new guitars and make them look like they're 60 years old. But mine has been aged by uh, my own blood, sweat, and tears, you know, so it's it's a very special guitar to me. I mean, I do have uh, a couple of Les Pauls that maybe sound even better, but this one, I have just an emotional bond with this one, you know, so I just play it all the time. Yeah, and um, have you ever gotten rid of a guitar and, like, you've regretted doing it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Most most guitars that I've got rid of. You know, when when I was a teenager, when I bought my first Fender uh, Telecaster, uh, I got rid of it because I wanted a Stratocaster because that's what Hendrix played, and then I sold the Stratocaster because I, I wanted a Gibson SG, and then I sold that one for Les Paul. And I, I wish I would have kept all those, but I couldn't afford it. You know, it was just I just couldn't afford one guitar and. Man, the same goes for amplifiers. I had a, a bunch of, um, you know, f- from very early years, I had a couple of Plexi Marshalls, like the, the, they are the holy grail of Marshalls these days. But in those days, 
you know, I had a 50 watt and I sold it because I thought the 100 watt would be better. And then I sold the 100 watt because I thought the newer model was better, you know, and little did I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have um? Do you have a favorite acoustic guitar to play on at all? Well, yeah, I, um, I'm looking at it right now because last night I did an um, acoustic radio show with a young singer of my band. Mm-hmm. We did a couple of songs. Uh, it's um, it's a Martin, you know, like a classic Martin um, D45, and uh, it's um, it's got a it's got a microphone in uh, D28, I think it is. Um, it's got a um, microphone inside, and it just sounds really good. I use it use it on my records as well. So yeah, yeah. So so let let's get into the new record. Um, do you always start with a fresh slate of songs when you when you're writing, or do you do you keep like ideas on your iPhone or maybe on tape or something and listen to those again? Oh, yeah, I got I, yeah, I got tons of ideas on my iPhone. I, I usually you know re- record any idea that pops into my my head, and then um, then once I get into uh, the songwriting mode, then I, then I go through the ideas and, and, I, and I start with little bits and pieces that, um, that I've recorded over time. Yeah. And that, yeah, the system works good for me, you know, so um, uh, I, I listen to the, um, the little bits that I have, whether it's riffs or chorus or whatever, and um, then when I get inspired by one, that's when I pick it up and um, and take a further. Yeah, no, I'm looking at all the credits on this and, you do a lot of the heavy lifting again. You do nearly all the writing and the artwork, and and you produce it as well. Um, did the other guys? Did they want to collaborate on this record at all, or did they just say, "Right, you go ahead, Adrian, you do it all"? Because you did it the first time. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I've basically always done it with um, ever since I was twenty when I made my record with a band I put together called Teaser. I did it the same way, you know, with the songs and the lyrics and the artwork and stuff, and. The, the three Vandenberg albums, the same thing. And, but with Whitesnake, obviously, David uh, liked to write his own lyrics. Um, and that's actually the first and the only time that I've ever collaborated with, with anybody. And the thing is, I just love writing, and it comes to me really naturally. So I just, you know, go ahead and do it. And um, it could be, you know, that somewhere in, um, in the future that... Um, I start doing some stuff with the bass player and the drummer because they have good ideas too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jan, the singer, um, told me right at the beginning. He said, "You know, I'm 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 a performer." He said, "I, I tried to write lyrics in the past, but I didn't like my own lyrics." And he said, "I don't want to do that stuff." You know, so um, and well, if you're an amazing singer like he is, you know, you don't really need to do anything else. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Now, was there anything in particular that you, you wanted to maybe try differently on this one that you didn't do on the first one? Well, yeah, the, predominantly uh, uh, the sound. Uh, the first album, I wanted it to sound like like you're in a small club and you're right in front of the stage, uh, because you know, to me, a lot of bands sound very, very similar, um, and um, I wanted to sound a little different. So I made it. Um, uh, you know, in, in in contrary of what everybody was expecting, um, for me to make it sound like a like a big stadium sounding Whitesnake album, you know, I want I wanted to do the opposite, just just like I came up with the three completely unknown musicians instead of a couple of well known guys. You know, I, I always like to surprise people, and um, 
with the, with the second album, um, I wanted to, to sound a lot closer to how we sound live. So it sounds a little bigger and uh, a little more, yeah, a little heavier, if you will. And so that's that's a, a big difference. And also, I think um, um, since we we did a lot of shows together, of course, uh, in between the first and the second album, um, um, it sounds tighter as a unit. I think, and um, that was not some, something that I was really aiming for. It, it, it just happened to be the case. I was hoping for it, and it's kind of logical, you know, because you really tie, uh, get to you really gel together as a band if you do a lot of gigs, of course. But um, uh, and also song-wise, um, I think, um, and I hope people pick up on that. But um, I think it's even more our own. Um, sound than the first album, you know, and um, I think, you know, in a lot of reviews, that's what people picked up on, so it's really nice to to, to know that, um, you know, that, that, that things that you hope are going to come across, that they actually do come across. Yeah, now the song that I love on, there's a couple of songs I love on the record I want to get into, but the one that stands out to me is The Fire, and that, that's over seven minutes long. Did you, was that written as a seven-minute song, or was the end of that jammed with you and the band? Well, yeah, um, I, I, I wanted to, to, to have an epic-style, epic-type song on this album, so the, the Fire was very suitable for that. Um, and I was expecting it to be, you know, like five, five and a half minutes, and I asked the bass player and the drummer to jam on the end, and I was just going to play like a rhythm guitar, and um, uh, I was planning in the mixing process to, to pick out the best licks they did um, in the whole end section, and, but these guys are so good that I really enjoyed the whole thing, so I didn't fade it out, you know, I just um, let it, for what it was, you can, you can tell at the end, because we don't really end up in the same chord for some reason, you know, because we were really jamming and, and suddenly because everybody, uh, all three of us were assuming it was going to be a fade out. So we didn't really work on an ending or something, you know, at a certain moment we just stopped. But, um, I thought it sounded really cool because uh, you can tell, uh, the spontaneity, um, of the whole thing, you know, like this. Yeah. Yeah. Now who suggested you cover, uh, Love Runs Out? Well, there was actually, um, it wasn't supposed to be on the album originally, and, and it was a funny thing. Um, for J- in Japan, they always want to have a bonus track, because um, they it's actually pretty smart, with, because with that way, they um, they make sure they protect their home market, you know, because the Japanese um, that, uh, want to buy the Japanese album because of the extra track, and at the same time, um, the Fnatic fans... In other parts of the world, they want to have both, you know, or, or they uh, so they export a lot of those albums with a bonus track on too. So I meant it as a bonus track, and um, uh, Mascot, my record label, liked it so much that, that they really wanted it on the album. And originally, um, what happened was um, the way why I, uh, I decided to cover the track was we played a live radio show in Holland uh, two years ago, and they have a theme that every band or, or artist who plays there is supposed to play one of their own songs and one song that's in the top 50 at that moment in time. So 
I went through the top 50 and most of it was crap, you know, all those rap songs and <laughs> stupid light, light poppy songs. Yeah. And I wrote this song and, and I, I realized, you know, this is basically like a blues based song and, and I could right away picture turning it to, into a rock song. And, um, so we, we originally just did it for the radio show and that was it, you know. So when the Japanese asked for another bonus track, I thought, man, I don't want to sacrifice one of our own songs, you know. So then suddenly I thought, you know what, we're just going to record and Love Runs Out because we got a lot of great response on the radio show at the time. People really loved it, you know. And um, so we decided to record it. And um, then it ends put it on, on the album as like a... Um, like a like a black sheep, you know, basically, and but it turned out really well. And life it goes down great, you know, because uh, a lot of people probably it's, uh, you know it sounds familiar in the back of their mind because they know it in a different version, uh, but they don't know where from because a lot of people don't even realize it's um, when Republic cover, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now the, the other song that I love on it is uh, Reputation, and that that, oh, cool, yeah. that to me it's very ACDC sounding. Could be, yeah. That would be a compliment because I'm a big ACDC fan, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's um, yeah, big, big guitars and um, and and howling vocals and um, and a serious drive and uh, bam. Yeah, it's rock and roll, you know. Yeah, did I, Malcolm Young, of course, passed away at the end of last year. Did, did you ever meet yeah. or, or get to share share the same lineup with him? Um, I, I have seen them. Um, well, as a matter of fact, um, um, the band Teaser that I talked to talked about before, when I was 21 or something, 22, um, we supported ACDC um, for a couple of shows in Holland and Belgium and Germany, and it was the last tour with Bon Scott. Mm-hmm. And um, that's actually um, where I put um, Angus and his wife together, because his wife is Dutch, and she was a friend of mine. And she asked me if um, if I could put her on the guest list for one of those shows, and I did. And um, they got introduced, and a year later they were married, and they're still they're still married. Wow, so that's pretty funny. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, how, how do you know Guy Allison at all? Because I know him from them. He's been a band World Trade with Billy Sherwood and an unruly child. Do, do you actually know Guy at all, or was he recommended to you? Uh, no, actually, um, I, I worked with him earlier um, um, uh, in 1994 um, when Coverdale decided to make an album with Jimmy Page. I didn't want to sit on my ass, so I put together a band with um, Tommy Ulrich and Rudy Sarza. We got Ron Young in the singer for Little Caesar and recorded an album under the name Manic Eden. Um, and we were gone a tour, but then um, David called me up again uh, that Jimmy Page decided he didn't want to do any more than two shows. Um, so I was kind of... It was a really hard decision because um, Manikidin was a great band and it's a really good album. And um, on that album, um, uh, Guy played keyboards as well. Okay. So that's where I know him from. We, we recorded an album in Burbank uh, in L.A., and um, the sound engineer that I worked with, I asked him, you know, a keyboard player who's very 70s in his approach, you know, very much like um, 
Ian McLaggen from the Faces because it's one of my, my favorite German players. Uh -huh. I said, yeah, I know just a guy, you know, and it was Guy Ellison. So that's how we came to, um, and I, I wanted him on the first album as well, but he went on tour with the Doobie Brothers, so okay. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, no, I did have... This, this, no, go ahead, Adrian. No, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, this unfortunately good, so that's how it happened. Nice. I, I did have a Manic Eden question for you, because I actually love that album. Um, if Front do, yeah. Yeah, if Frontiers came along and asked you to do a second one, would you consider it? Well, um, I, I never say never, you know, but it, it could very well be that um, sooner or later we would do something, um, whether it would be with Frontiers or, or, or with uh, Mascot. You know, Mascot would probably love to sign it too. Yeah. Um, because it fits right in the stable of blues rock mm -hmm. stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, the thing that, thing that I have with Frontiers is uh, it's a great company, and I, I was in touch with them at the time, but, um, I mean, they have every... Everybody and their grandma is on Frontiers, you know. Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're a small fish in a huge ocean. Yeah. And um, I like with mascot that um, we get a lot of attention. You know, they, they really they're really motivated to um, to work with us. So um, yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, and you mentioned the greatest hits tour you did in '94 with White Snake, and you had Warren yeah. Martini on that tour playing with you. Um, was he your yeah. suggestion at all? Sorry, was he? Was he your your suggestion, or did somebody else suggest Warren? Uh, well, David and I talked about it, and and I've I've always liked uh, uh, Warren's playing, and he's a very nice guy and a great player, and um, that was actually pretty. That's probably one of my favorite guitar players that, that I shared the stage with in the White Snake period. You know, mm -hmm. he was really re relaxed and he plays great, and um, I enjoyed that lineup. You know, I mean, it, it was a difficult time for that kind of music because. It was grunge uh, up to yin yang, you know, but um, but we we still had a, had a fun tour, so I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. How how did you split up the solos? Who did you just did you just do the ones you always did and let Warren do the other ones, or how did you how did you split them up? Yeah, yeah something like that. You know, I, I kept doing the ones that I always did anyway, and and the newer ones we we just split them up. Yeah, you know? we 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 made sure it was kind of pretty much like fifty fifty. You know, we we weren't. Neither Warren nor I uh, am, um, you know, uh, very um, competitive. You know, we we were just really easy with it, and um, the, the same goes always for me. You know, Steve I at the time uh, needed a lot of attention, and he wanted a lot of you know space. Mm -hmm. So I I just do a step back. You know, I, I I don't mind because I don't look at music as being a competition. You know, I, I look at music as being like a form of expression no matter how it goes and you know uh, that, that's what I find a little strange uh, and weird sometimes about people go uh, you know this guitar player is the best no that guy sucks no he's the best <laughs> I, I don't think that you know there's like this John, John Sykes thing that has been going on ever since um, you know Sykes wasn't in the band anymore and uh, you know he's got really fanatic fans apparently and and like every every guitar player after Sykes has been in Whitesnake sucks according to those guys, you know. I mean, it's really strange <laughs> because it's it's everybody has got a different way of expressing himself, and there's so many great guitar players, you know. I just like a guitar player that has, has his own character, his own sound, whether it's Brian May or Jeff Beck or, or whoever, you know. They're all yeah. great. There's so many great players. 
Yeah. Yeah, I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go, Adrian. Um, the 87 demos for the, the Whitesnake 87 album have come out. Now, you, I, I had Keith Olsen on, and he said you did the demos for, for Slip of the Tongue. Um, who, who played on them? Did the guys who played on the album play on the demos? No, I play on demos. Um, I read a very strange interview with Keith Olsen, uh, and he was completely wrong, because Keith, Keith wasn't involved in, a, in, the, in the Slip of the Tongue album. And um, I read a strange interview where he said that um, that the whole wrist injury that I had that it was bullshit that uh, I couldn't play uh, well enough and that's why the reason why they got Steve Vine. Well, that's total bullshit because he wasn't there. Mike Klink was producing at the time, and um, I did have like serious wrist injury and I, I I stayed in the studio for about two weeks and I had acupuncture and physical therapy and all kinds of stuff and it, it didn't work so I went back home to get treatment and I had treatment for about six months and I was uh, or longer even for almost a year and I was just about ready uh, when we started touring so I could do the, the tour again and um, I mean everybody um, who's kind of followed my career you know yeah. And no matter what it's your, it's your taste or not, you, you know, I know I can play a little bit of guitar, you know, and so that's kind of kind of strange for Keith to say, especially because he was involved, you know. Yeah, I'll tell it's you. Strange. He, I'll tell you, Adrian, what he told me. He said that you were hurting, is one of the things he said, and and hurting, 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 hurting. You were hurting with your hand. That's mostly what he said to me, and then he said, "We right. can we can get Steve Vai in. It's going to cost a lot of money," and and then he that was yeah. it really. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I read the interview I read. He said, he said, he, you know, he said what I just mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I could I could hardly move my hand, so that was a problem. And and David and I talked about Steve because he was like the hotshot in those days, and we thought we really need like a hot player, you know, to um. Because there were, it was quite quite some pressure to um, to do the follow up for um, for the '87 album, of course. And I'm glad Steve did it. And Steve and I are good friends, you know. We we um, we stay in touch, and then we saw each other last year. We had a great time, you know. We went for dinner and you know, uh, got up old stories and and goofy tour <laughs> stuff, you know. And it, it's just really strange how how stories kind of come up in this business, you know, like um, somebody has like um, something and he tells it to something else, to somebody else and, and they exaggerate a little bit and then that person tells it to somebody else and exaggerates a little bit again and before you realize it's this completely different thing because in, a, in the time of Steve, I heard and read sometimes that, um, that it was a really stiff competition, you know, between Steve and me and it wasn't. We we're, we're so completely different players, and Steve was very respectful to me, and I and I am to him. You know, we just we're both really very very much into music, and that's why we're still here. Yeah, and, and a lot of other people aren't. You know. Yeah, and now I I listen like I I listen to your early albums on Manic Eden and Restless Heart, and then I listen to Slip of the Tongue, and I think the way you play. The the, so, the demos must have sounded a lot different to what came out because I wouldn't say David would have been screaming as much. Maybe the, some of the tempos wouldn't have been as fast. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I, I think it's a combination of, of factors, of course, because it's completely logical that Steve put a very big mark on the record because the songs are already written and um, 
uh, he needed to step in um, when the basic tracks were already recorded, you know. So, um, plus, he, you know, he was he was really coming up as uh, the next uh, big thing, and so he really set set the whole thing to his own hand, and and that's why it sounds very different than the '87 album. Um, if you listen to like the, the uh, this new Moon Kings album, that that's that's why how the Slip of a Tongue album would have sounded if I would have played the guitars, you know? That would have been very close. So the, on the demos, um, I think there's going to be demos out um, when, uh, you know, I think in about three years, you know, it's going to be like uh, in the 1990, 30 years ago or whatever. I'm pretty convinced David's going to release a special edition of it and I'm, I'm pretty convinced there's going to be demos on it, you know? Yeah, I, I I certainly hope so. I think for a lot of White Snake fans, for the last like you know for that period, the MTV period, I think your demos that you did on that album because you didn't play on it are are the holy grail for a lot of people. No, this is really nice to hear. Yeah, yeah but you know, so so but, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting, you know, how the stuff how it changed. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if if, if we sooner or later. Actually, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, with Moon Kings, we play two songs, A Slip of a Tongue, um, Sailing Ships and um, Judgment Day. Nice. Um, if you look on YouTube, if you look on uh, Judgment Day, uh, Moon Kings, you, you'll find a couple of shows where we play it, and, and then you can tell exactly how it would have sounded on the, on the 1990 record, um, because Jan the singer, you know, is, 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 is the tone in his voice, it's not too far away from David's, so, and you know, Jan sings it like 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 a demon, you know. So, if you look on YouTube, if you look it up, then then you can actually very precisely tell how it would have sounded on the '87 album. Yeah, yeah. I I just got one final question. Oh, 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 it's the '90 album. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I just got one final question before I leave you go. There's a lot of musicians coming out now. Paul Stanley, Rick Allen, like they all have art. They're all, they're all artists, and I'm curious. In yeah. the '80s, when you were doing the artwork, did you like have a little fraternity of musicians where you'd all get together and discuss art, or was there anything like that at all? No, not really. You know, uh, the, the thing is, the difference between me and, um, and a lot of other artists who, um, you know, a lot of other players who who start making art. Um, in my case, it was the other way around. I, I, I made my living uh, for my paintings and my designs, and uh, then my band Vandenberg suddenly became successful, and that's when it changed, you know? So right now, I only have the time to, you know, to, to, to paint and stuff in between and to do, like, record covers, you know? But um, as soon as I have a little bit of time, I'm going to do more painting again, and uh, I just move it back and forth between the two now. But in the Vandenberg days... I could combine it because uh, half of the year we were playing in Holland, and uh, when you when you play in Holland, you only play in the weekends, and you can go home because it's a small country. Mm-hmm. So uh, the beginning of the week I used to make paintings, and then the second half of the week I used to do shows with Vandenberg. Uh, so yeah, that's a difference, you know. Um, I I haven't really talked to other musicians um, about art that much, you know. I don't really know. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of them coming out now with their own collections, and I'm just wondering, you know, how far back they were doing it, and did you ever get a chance to talk to them about it? 
No, I never talked to them about it. But for, for me, you know, I've done it ever since I was three, and I went to art university um, for six years. And and after that, I made my living for for my art. And then you know, uh, from I I financed um, um, Vandenberg in the beginning from the um, you know the money that I made with my paintings. Mm-hmm. So it was the other way around, basically. Yeah, just one question that came to mind there. Have you ever been sitting down drawing something and it's inspired you straight away to pick up the guitar and write a song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my uh, painting studio, um, I always have one or two guitars and, and um, a little amplifier and stuff. And I, it, uh, for me, you know, I, I kind of tap from the same well. It's... Um, uh, whether you're cooking or whether you're uh, painting or making music, you know, for me, it's all the same way of, it's just like when you're painting, you're basically um, composing with colors. And when you're, when you're writing or playing guitar, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're painting with sounds and it's all connected. For, and, and that's why it's, it's not too surprising that um, more artists, um, uh, more players, um, like art as well. Yeah, well, of course. The new album is out now. The Vandenberg's Moon Kings too. Um, can you do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, I have two pages under my own name, Adrian Vandenberg, um, uh, on Facebook, and then um, there's Moon Kings Band on Facebook. And then the, our website is um, VandenbergsMoonKings.com. Uh, on Instagram and um, Twitter, uh, I am Adriandenberg. So Adriandenberg um, in one shot. Yeah, you got to remember all these things now. Or years ago, there was none of this. Oh man, yeah, it's complicated, <laughs> isn't it? You got all millions of passwords for everything. It drives me nuts. Yes, yeah, so, you know you got to go with it. So fuck it. Some some of the guys hate it when I ask them this that question about the social media. It's like, oh, I, I'm well, out yeah. there. You go find it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking pleasure, to you, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and hopefully you'll get over to the US this time and and tour this out. Yeah, I hope so, man. I really hope so. Yeah. Thanks very much. Okay, Adrian, take care. Okay. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Bye.
There you go, Richie's uh, very cool chat with uh, Adrian Vandenberg. And uh, up next uh, next week is uh, Ty Tabor again. Yeah, again. <laughs> um, it wasn't as long as the last one. So and more alien beings back to us. But, uh, yeah, not, I mean, last time we had a whole career retrospective. But, uh, I mean, you got to talk to him again. And uh, so uh, in order to try to get the word out on this album as quickly as we can, we're... Uh, Going to advance him ahead of a whole bunch of other audio and let you hear what uh, Ty Tabor has to say about his brand new album. Mm, yeah, I, I love Ty. Yeah. He's one of these... He's not a flashy player. Yeah. He plays to the song. Yeah. All of his respect you know, his, his stuff. And King's X, like King's X have had a huge effect on me. Yeah. They were just so different. Uh-huh. And it was, a lot of it was, the, you know, it was the vocals, but three-piece band. Yeah. Having that sort of sound, yep. But that's uh, that is what is up next week. But uh, there you go. As promised, it's February, and we are back. And uh, yeah, we have definitely got a ton of stuff. But uh, that will do it for this week. So uh, this is Scott and me. <laughs> that would be Richie, of course. <laughs> saying, uh, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember focus on metal. Is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.